Salafalava and welcome back to your Pacific mornings. Oh my gosh, December. December. Oh, December. How, mm, man, December. how, yeah, <laughs> it's my favorite month of the year. But guys, how have you guys been this morning? I'm oh, feeling good. Feeling yeah, good. good. Feeling ready to not buy anyone presents. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Ryan. <laughs> Waiting for that secret Santa. It's the popular month. Ryan is the Grinch for Christmas. So just keep that in mind when uh, you watch the show. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, Christmas is just around the corner. Um, I love the Christmas spirit. Mm. Um, I love seeing everyone share mean feeds together, yep. get their gongai, their Christmas breakfast ready. It's such a good vibe, eh? Mm. But yeah, I'm, I'm really good. Thank you. How oh, are you? That's good. Um, look, I'm really good. You know, as I've mentioned um, all the time, December is probably one of my favorite months. It is a little bit stressful, um, especially when it comes to gifts. I yes. love buying gifts, but it's, it's also just the season of giving. And, you know, talking about gifts, it's been a busy weekend. You know, we've had our very first Blue Wave Christmas pop-up photo booth that happened uh, just on the weekend, super busy. Um, and I had the MC gig, which was super Mina. exciting. And so, yeah. you know, shout out to Lorenzo and also to Beto as well. Um, but yes, all the information will be up. Um, it is uh, running Thursday, Friday and Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And honestly, there's going to be some merchandise, uh, other stuff there as well, mm -hmm. t-shirts, you name it. We're going to be there and we're going to be super excited to serve you guys, man. I'm, I'm really excited. Just a little bit um, excited about those other photos that we'll be posting up as well. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And we'll also, you'll probably see it on the screen as well, the kind of photos, what it can look like potentially. Yeah. So dress up, guys, you know, bring your yeah. best uh, best gear and we'll see you there. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so for today's show, to, to put it on a more serious note, mm. we're uh, talking to Tanya, who is a survivor of sexual assault. Um, it's a very serious topic in our community, but it's one that, we're, it's one where conversations need to be had mm. constantly. And she teaches us how, what we can do to help those that we love who are in similar situations. So for our content today, this is a trigger warning. Uh, our content covers serious topics such as suicide, mental illness, and sexual abuse. Blue Wave Ngalumoana. We are focused on providing digital solutions for our Pacific people. With the creative team that incorporates Pacifica values and cultures, there are no limitations. We offer a variety of digital media solutions that cater to Pacific peoples. With over 10 years experience in graphic design and photography, we take pride in creating art with a Pacific focus. We also specialize in filming, editing, and live streaming. A digital media company serving our Basifika families, Basifika businesses, and Basifika communities. Blue Wave Ngalumuana. Live and breathe Pacific.
morning and welcome back to our Pacific Morning Show. So awesome to have you guys back. On today's show, we are talking about sexual abuse within Pacifica families. Mm-hmm. And we're joined today with Tanya, who is my good friend, also known as Tuchins on Insta. Follow her. Follow um, me. <laughs> <laughs> who is a sexual abuse survivor. Um, and she's here to share her story with us and also some other valuable information that I feel needs to be discussed within mm-hmm. our Pacific community. How are you this morning, Tanya? I'm doing good. We're still breathing, so that's a good sign, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming onto the show. We really appreciate it, um, especially sharing your story. Um, I'm assuming that requires so much strength. And um, I'm always awkward when it comes to mental health. <laughs> yeah. I'm always yeah. like, do I say the right thing? But the fact that we're having this conversation, maybe someone will watch it and they're like, okay, that's how you safely navigate that space, yeah. which is um, which is cool. But we wanted to talk about um, sexual abuse within the Pacific community today and also talk about how hard it is for victims to actually get to the court stage yeah. of um, their, taking their abuser to, yeah. to court. Mm. Yeah, yeah mm. No, and like... I did a deep dive into it before this episode and it kind of is sad to see how difficult it is for something like this to kind of reach the justice that it it deserves. Mm. Like from what I found, um, these numbers were pretty hard to read. 10 out of 100 sexual abuse crimes are reported. Three of those get to court and only one gets a conviction. Mm. Like that's not high enough. Mm. And that is not good enough for our justice system. And also considering the, the high percentage of that are underage, like yeah. their yeah. kids, bro. It's babies. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And I, get, I see that a lot of the reasons why these cases don't go forward um, based on what I've read is that it comes from lack of evidence or lack of witnesses or lack of proof essentially, which is what I guess the justice system needs to have. Mm. I wanted to ask you, based on that, um, what barriers did you go through during the process? I don't don't think it's fair to even say that there's barriers to embarking on that journey. Mm. The journey itself is a barrier Mm. to justice. Mm. And then you, like... It's, we'd be sitting here all day if I listed every single thing that right. discouraged me from reporting. Um, but the major ones are lack of family support, mm-hmm. and that lack of family support stems from, you know, the terrible family dynamics we have at play in a lot of our Pacifica families. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once you once you put all of the family, the lack of family support to the side, then you're you've got mental illness, mm. then that's a barrier. And then you also got to think of, am I working full time? Mm. Is my boss going to give me time off to go and spend 12 hours at the multi-agency complex in Manukau mm. to do a level four interview? Because that just the interview alone, sitting there and having a stranger ask you for your deepest, darkest secrets. Mm. The thought of that is scary enough. And then mm. actually having to do it. Mm. And that's, that's still in the investigation process. Mm. That's not even addressing getting through the door of the police mm. station wow. or even knowing, I, mm. do I go to a police station? Mm. Do I call a lawyer? Do I go to my doctor? Especially if it's a historic case, mm. you know, stuff that you've gone through in your childhood. There's a lot of barriers mm. to answer your question. Yeah. <laughs> no, and like just hearing it from you, it's it's sad. And a lot of the things that they talk about is the attrition rate from when you report it to when there's even a case. Like, 
um, I had seen that it goes up to two and a half years, but that's small when it comes to your case. Yeah. So I reported in July, of, or July, August of 2018. Um, the investigation process was grueling. It took so long because they mm. needed to interview everyone who I had mentioned. Mm. And then, you know, once the investigation process is finished, then you get into the court system, like when, when the Crown actually accepts your case. When the Crown has all of their fancy lawyers look at your case and think, can we win this? Because mm. they're not asking, does, does this person deserve justice? Has a crime had, like has a crime been committed? They ask themselves, can we win this? Right. This is a winnable case. How did that make you feel? I don't think I've finished unpacking it all yet, like yeah. how, I, how I feel about that process. But what I can tell you is most of the time, the wait time is just that wait time. Mm. Mm. You're waiting for the bureaucratic process, whatever the hell they've got going on in the courts to process it. My first trial date was set for October 11th last year. Mm. And then of course COVID. <laughs> true, true. And so they pushed it out for another year. Um, we had a trial date for October 10th this year and it went ahead. It was probably the three hardest weeks of my life. Mm. Being in trial, in court every day, getting hammered by a defense lawyer who's literally studied his whole life to get to you, yeah. <laughs> to crack you. and mm. um, Yeah, so that was hard. And then, um, yeah, now we're now all I'm waiting for is sentencing. Mm. Um, I don't like to say I won, because, like, what did I win? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. where's my prize yeah. then? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was found guilty on 17 charges. Mm. Um, yeah, and so now I'm just waiting for sentencing. It's scheduled for December 13. Yeah. Can't even begin to describe to you how relieved I am, mm. how relieved I'm going to be once it's all over. Yeah. Yeah, it's a no, long wait. That's, no, that's like awesome to hear. Mm. <clears throat> Sorry, I, I'm just listening to it, but, you know, you kind of, it kind of sounds like you already kind of knew what to expect. What actually prompted you to go ahead um, after, you know, you, you, you mentioned it was just a, it was a historic thing. Yeah. What prompted you to, to go forward with it? I think just like a massive wake-up call from the Gen Zers in my family. Because, you know, um, just to give you a little bit of background, the abuse started before I could remember mm. and continued until, you know, I, my body changed into a woman's body. Mm. And in my survival mode, I somehow convinced myself that it wasn't happening anymore. Like yeah. I was the last one he did that to. Because mm. he'd done it to so many women, little girls, sorry. Done it to so many little girls in my family before me. And it wasn't until one of the younger girls in my family came to me mm. and told me what was happening to her. It kind of like lit a fire in my spirit. Because mm. I, I, I had just accepted the fact that I would never, mm. I'd never open this up. I'd, mm. I'd, you know, it's all closed away now, nice and neat. Yeah. I mean, I'm crazy, but manageable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, manageable. Mm. So like I can get through this. Mm. But when that younger girl in my family came to me and told me. And like the fact that she came to me, mm. Mm. it just it started all making sense in my mind. Like maybe this happened to me because it would, I'd be the one to, you know, but it's in a whole nother conversation mm. maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but yeah, that's what prompted me when I found out it was happening to someone else in my family. And then we began that very, very long process. Yeah. yeah. 
And um, does your whole family like know about it now? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very um, messy, complex mm. dynamic at play in my family now because, you know, I think we were just talking about this before. Mm. In my opinion, the only way to move forward out of that generational curse, the only way to break it is to literally break the ties that it has to your family, which is your family. Yeah. You need to, in my mind, the only way to move forward is to blow up your family and the pieces that you pick up to put your family back together again, those are going to be the pieces that are still there mm. waiting for you to pick them up and add them back to your family. Right. Mm. Everyone else who doesn't need to be in your space, they kind of just, they fall away. Mm. But with, you know, something I really wanted to talk about mm. when you guys invited me to be here, and also thank you, by the way, so happy <laughs> to be here. Um, something I really wanted to talk about was how we demonize these old men in our Pacifica families. They're the rapists, they're the pedophiles, they're the predators, blah, blah, blah. When we do that, what we're also doing is giving ourselves tunnel vision. We're only seeing these old men. We're only seeing what they've done to our babies. Mm. And while we're so focused on trying to like blow the family up to tear them down, to get our justice, blah, 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 we're totally ignoring the effects that these old men have had on the kids. Mm. The, the babies, they're touching each other. Mm. Child on child molestation is such a silent killer. Because mm. everyone's looking at Uncle Charlie, where the kids at. No one's mm. looking at what the kids are doing to each other. Mm. And the kids are only doing that to each other because... They're probably learning from the adults. Yeah, they're practicing their learned behavior. Yeah. And it's so dangerous because... It just, it's, it's that, that's, that cycle mm. that just keeps repeating, it becomes normalized. Mm. And then when someone in the family finally comes forward and speaks up, everyone feels scared because everyone has done something to be ashamed right. of. Mm. And then they have to admit to it. It's that, somewhere along the process they're well, scared to admit. I mean, they, so a lot of the time what happens is people don't even admit. Like, they, it's, it's too scary. Mm. To say, uncle's a rapist, and also, when I was a kid, we were all fiddling with each other as well, mm. because that's what we were taught. Mm. It's far too shameful to say things, to admit things like that openly. Mm. So what you get is, you can't say that about uncle, like, you know, that's, yeah. then, then, that's why some of the family members are protecting these rapists, mm. because they're so scared that the things that they did when they were children are going to come out as well. Yeah. Mm. And I think another um, toxic thing to bring up as well is protecting the family name. Yeah. Did you ever have to experience that? Well, there's a reason why I've yeah. asked you to introduce me as Tanya Tuchins <laughs> from Instagram <laughs> yeah. and not Tanya, my last name, my maiden name or my married last name, you right. know? Yeah. Just because I understand it's all fine and dandy for me to be on this woke journey of mm. like, you know, like this new space that we're all breaking curses in. But i got to remember, I love my mum very much. Mm. I love my a lot of my aunties and uncles very much. I love my my husband's family. And if they're not in that same space as me, who am I to force it on them? Right. Yeah. You know? You're so considerate. <laughs> Thank you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, if it was me, I, I'd go bizarre. But um, thankfully, mm. I, I haven't had to deal with that. But You can't be on all the time. <coughs> That's why a lot of survivors make that mm. mistake yeah. of being a survivor 24-7. Mm. Sometimes you just need to be a daughter. Sometimes you just need to be a niece. Yeah. Mm. You know, you can't. You can't fight this battle 24-7 because mm. I promise you, you will burn out. 
Yeah. You will. You can't be the one tweeting against the rapist or every yeah. day, Twitter yeah. thread, Instagram story. Like, you can't. Yeah. You have to pick and choose your battles because we're not going to dismantle this patriarchy with one tweet. Mm. We're just not. It doesn't matter, like, how powerful your words are. We're just mm. not. You just you have to um, pace yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So what would be kind of like, um, you know, we had this discussion before the show, um, for people who do have family members um, who may be rapists, mm. how are they... They're, they're, they've been put in a very awkward situation. Um, they're probably not knowing who to side with. Um, they're kind of like just a mutual person in the whole situation. What would your advice be? Um, it's, yeah. I'm tr- I try to be as survivor-centric as I can, mm. which means that whenever I'm giving advice, whenever I'm speaking on anything, I always try and think of what that little girl needs, what that little boy needs, or what that woman needs from her family now after they've let this happen to her in her childhood. Mm. And my the best advice that I can offer anyone who knows that there's a pedophile in their family, who knows that there's a rapist in their family, don't go to the survivor first. Go to yourself first and ask yourself, do you have what it takes to help this person? Mm. Are you ready to blow your family up? Mm. Are you ready to have are you ready to be disowned? Are you ready? Like, are you ready? Because if you're not, sit down. Because mm. that girl has been through enough. She doesn't need now all these false saviors mm. coming right. saying, I'll take you, I'll help you, da 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 da. And then when the family starts kicking back, they're like, hold on. Actually, yeah, yeah. No, well, maybe auntie's right. Or maybe, mm. maybe you should, you know, survivors don't need that. Yeah. They need people who are going to stay solid, people who are not going to fold, mm. people who are. To be honest, say, if that family, mm. let's make our own. Mm. Yeah. Shaks, that's um, pretty deep because I, and only because I, it, at some stage, is it acceptable for, you know, you've just spoken like, you know, are you ready to fight, you know? And let's say, for example, you know, you've, someone's gone through, they've fought that battle, and then another wave comes through. You know, is it accept? Do you, do you find it acceptable that they've come back to the same person who helped um, somebody else through? You know, let's say you know ten years ago, and that they've come back to the same person who fought that same battle ten years ago, and that person just says, "I'm done. I can't do it." Yeah. What you know? How you know? How because it's it's actually quite a traumatic oh, yeah. journey, <laughs> and 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 it is. It's like you know you. you I feel like, you know, you've joined together and then you kind of get slammed with the, another incident. Like what, how do you think this, these other, you know, this, and it's within the family, like what's your advice? Can you pour from an empty cup? Mm. No. No. <laughs> and that's why, mm. that, that's why that's always my advice mm. for people looking to help survivors and their family. So it's okay to just turn? A, I mean, <gasps> it, like, that's really a question you have to look inward to answer. Mm. I mean, and then, uh, then again, it boils down to like, what are your core values? Mm. Like, uh, what do you think is right and wrong, evil and good and evil, you know? Mm. Everything can boil down to like the basics like that. But I understand our culture is a lot more nuanced, life's a lot more nuanced. It's a mm. gray area, right? Mm. 
what you're gonna tell Jesus when he come back and ask you. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, that's no. right. <laughs> <laughs> I got my answer straight away. I was like, damn. I don't yeah. want to. Amen. Like, that's, that's mm. all it is. Like, you know, I'm not mainstream Christian. White Jesus is the last person I'm going to pray to. Yeah. Mm. But I feel like the Bible has a lot of good stuff in for it sure. for mm. you to build your life on, right? And, you know, Jesus did say, anyone touch them kids, I'm going to come for them. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, he, he, he did say that. Mm. And so it just boils down to, like, where your heart is, really. Yeah. Because you can layer on all of these circumstances, context, mm. semantics, mm. everything. But all it boils down to is, like, who you are. Mm. You're the type to say, if all of you, mm. you know, like, how dare you do this to these babies and take those babies, make your own family, start your own traditions. Yeah. Mm. Or, you you know? Mm. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I know, sorry, like, briefly we spoke, you know, we touched on a few things, but something that really, like, for me that you highlighted was your interpretation of love. And, you know, we're, we're, we're every single day, we are faced with different types of problems and we are faced with situations that we can't actually control. But your interpret your interpretation of love, can you just explain that again? Because I felt like that was quite I think no, that's a really valid yeah. point. Yeah. Because we we're, we're seeing um I'm I'm for myself, I'm like as an outsider or as a family member, I love me. I love my kids and that's it. That's mm. all that matters. And I, you know, and I think at some stage certain people or certain members in our Ainga are okay with that type of love and turn. Mm. But then at the same time, there's another person that requires that love. Yeah. But you 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 gave a really, really nice you yeah. explained it. I think I wow. said I think I said something like a, it just all boils down to like what does your love mean? Mm. Like when you say I love you to your little cousins, your, your nieces, your little nephews that are literally surviving this stuff mm. as we speak, mm. surviving, swinging on it, swinging on it. When you say I love you, does love mean I love you unless the family won't let me anymore? Mm. Does it mean I love you and with that love comes protection, I'll always protect you? Or does it, like, you know, like, what does your love mean? And it's something that only you can answer. Mm. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I know that's so vague and, like, yeah. mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But, like, legit, that's, like, all it comes down to. When you tell someone you love them, do you mean, is it, like, unconditional love? Mm. Or are you saying, I love you with conditions. If you if someone ever rapes you or molests you mm. and you speak up on it and the family wants to disown you, that's a condition for me. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I love you, cuz. It's <laughs> a condition, mm. you know? And, it, like, I know I'm saying it, like, so light and fluffy-like, but... Yeah. It's it's heavy. I know it is. Yeah, mm. it is pretty heavy. Because it, it makes you look inward at yourself, like, mm. shit, am I lying every time I tell the kids I love them? Exactly. Mm. But then that's what I mean. You got to ask yourself, what does your love mean? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very uncomfortable space to be in. A. Mm. That's what I was saying. Like you know. Yeah. Before you do any work in the space, before you interact with any survivors, you need to really look inward. Mm. Ask whoever you believe your maker is. 
is, is like, is this the space I'm supposed to work in? Is mm. like, is this how you want to use me? Mm. Do I have it in me? Yeah. Because if the answer is no, you don't have it in you, baby, sit down. Yeah. Because, mm. <laughs> yeah. like, the last thing that survivors need is not fake love. I don't want to say fake love or fake support, but conditional support. Yeah. Mm. Like, don't have mm. my back on Tuesday and then... And then have it on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, you know, like, yeah. I don't want... I don't want... If you're only going to support me while, when it suits you, that's not the support I need. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, but it gets messy in our Pacifica yeah. families. Yeah, because you got the grandparents, then the parents, and the aunties, and the uncles, and the cousins, and the second cousins, and then you got the siblings, and the nieces and nephews, mm. and there's just all these moving parts, and the dynamics are so complex that there really is no one size fits all. Like what worked in my family to help me rebuild yeah. my village, yeah. it's not gonna work in like your family or your family or your family, mm. just because you know. The way our, the way each of our bloodlines has adapted to this country that we're living in, because mm. we're not in the islands anymore. Where you just the rapist gets sent to the wherever the the men, <laughs> yeah. wherever the men make their decisions, he doesn't get sent there, and everyone throws rocks at him or like oh, kills him yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't happen anymore. Mm. If something happens to you, you have to go to the police. Yeah, and you know because of. Because of that intersection where racism meets justice, mm. you know, mental, that those intersections are just so, they're so significant to how we should frame solutions in our minds. Right. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, because the police and, you know, then there's the racism, that, mm. that intersection, going to the police because uncle did something to you, that, like, Nana and Papa don't want that because Nana and Papa know the police are the dawn raids. Like, why, yeah. why would we trust these people? True. So there's so many moving parts, but I, right. honest to God, even with the Black Lives Matter movement, even with all cops are bad, even with that being the truth, I feel that our kids are going to see justice for what it is, a means to establish accountability for these people that are doing this. Mm. And so I, I really feel like they're going to be able to overcome overcome the issues that we have with racism and justice yeah so that they can right hold these people or hold these predators accountable so everything kind of like has a role yeah and yeah yeah it's messy because yeah. like you know me i'm black like i'm the last i'm the last person in the room that's gonna talk if there's a boy in blue in here yeah like i'm not even joking like yeah. my yeah. friends know the cops are i'm my mm. i'm looking down bro yeah mm. and so to reconcile that hatred that that deep bloodline yeah. hate for police. And then having to go through them. Having to go to them, mm. help me, please. Yeah. Like, help me. You know, like, how do you reconcile that in your mind? Well, how did you do it? <sighs> Speechless. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think, I yeah. don't think I realised how much I've grown to love and respect and honour the detectives and all the mm. junior detectives and all the police who are working on my case. I didn't realise that I had developed love for them until the trial process, mm. until I'm sitting in that courtroom hearing the strategies, like, at play. Yeah. Like, all this hard work, all these balangis have been doing for me. Mm. <laughs> they worked so hard. Mm. And it wasn't until I was sitting in the witness box, like, I couldn't, 
I was so scared. My spirit was shaking so bad. Mm. All I could do was lock eyes with my detective. And she's like a blonde, blonde hair, blue eyed, balangi woman. Mm. You know, like the epitome of like, you know, like when you think of a policewoman. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you yeah. know? Mm. And I grew up hating women like her. Mm. And then to like now just be flipped on my yeah. head and like just, she was the only person I could look to to, wow. to center me so that I could get my testimony out. So that's another yeah. biggie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you you know, going through the the court process, especially as a brown person, especially as someone from Southside, mm. you don't trust the police until you have no other option to. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to process that all of that right now. Mm. That's a lot. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like there's so many <sighs> in the space, and I mean the recovery space, the the justice space, if you can even call what you get from the court process justice. Mm. You just have to get used to like your conversations going nowhere because everything is so interconnected. Everything is so woven together in such a complex way mm. that you can't pull a thread and only talk about this. Right, mm. it's not that simple. Yeah, you got to look at the whole tapestry because mm. that's the, like to get that fuller picture that's the only way any of us are going to learn how we can better support survivors mm. how we can stop losing them to suicide to addiction mm. uh, yeah yeah I don't think our babies are going to be like our generation or the generations that came mm. before us I, I think they'll not, leave yeah. they will leave mm. they will run from people who hurt them, mm. or they will fight. And what that's gonna do is completely blow up the Pacifica family mm. in New Zealand, yeah. Australia, America. I mean, well, America's a little different, yeah. mm. but definitely Australia and New Zealand. What we'll see in the next few decades mm. is families just being right. destroyed. Mm. And I don't mean destroyed like they're not talking to each other anymore. I mean, these kids are gonna change their last names. Yeah. They're not gonna want any ties to their family. and I been watching it happen because mm. you know like I'm pretty open with my story and what that does is it attracts um, like-minded people and some of those like-minded people are way younger I know two Samoan girls who have won their cases and as soon as that sentencing was over they changed their last name Sucks. and if we start seeing more and more of that with these babies these yeah. incredibly strong babies Mm. What's going to happen to our last names? Mm. You know, what's going to happen to our bloodlines? Yep. It's scary, yeah. eh? Yeah, mm. it is. Because I don't think it's, I mean, definitely something that we do not talk about enough. And, you know, um, it's happening a lot more often. It's It's quite common. But the term that's always been used within our Pacifica families has been just sweep it under the carpet. Yeah. And we're so programmed to just sweep it under the carpet that they will fix and address it at the time quickly and or they program and some of our children, this is not all families, this yeah. is just a few, so mm. please don't at me. Um, <laughs> at me. I want to fight. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like they, they, we're just so masangi to just kind of like, just don't disrupt. Don't yeah. be disruptive. That to ties in. That ties in with what I was talking about. The way that, the way that sexual abuse, the way that pedophilia, the way that predatory sexual practices, the way it happens is 
it happens to one person in the family, that person does it to a, another person in the family who has less power than them, that person does it to another person in the family who has on. less power, and then eventually what you get is a whole bunch of kids, all the cousins touching on each other, mm. and then when one of those cousins says, hey, this is wrong, mm. I'm going to speak up, all the family, they're scared now because mm. everyone's done things mm. that they're not proud of. Everyone has, everyone has done a little yeah. incest yeah. and everyone's embarrassed about it mm. and they'd rather not talk about it. And when they rather not talk about it, that means they don't want to talk about yeah. the bigger predators in the family. Yeah. So what's, like, you've gone through this and you've faced it, you've survived. You've just mentioned, you know, you wouldn't call it winning, but what's something that you can, or just some kind of, advice that you can give to our Pacifica family because I feel like, you know, that's I feel like that this common thing is just we just keep sweeping it under the table. And it's like with myself, I'm trying to address certain um, situations um, that's been brewing within, you know, families. And I think now I've, my mindset has actually shifted. I'm now like trying to address this with my children. You know, yeah. what's your advice around that? Like, do I just address my children and yeah. protect my children and that's it? I and mean, leave everyone else? Or, or you know, or, or how the process on what are words that we should be using to kind of prevent? prevent prevention is a whole different ballgame. That's when you can actually start um, implementing some tangible steps. Mm. Like you can, like the steps you can take, you can actually touch it. Yeah. And it all starts with teaching kids Vocabulary. Mm. How are you gonna? How is a four-year-old gonna say, "Mummy, mm. your brother raped me," mm. if she doesn't know what a vagina is? Mm. And a good thing, a good way for parents to test this is to get your kid to stand in front of you and say, "What's this? Mm. What's this? What's this?" Mm. And then say, "Okay, now show me on your body." And if they can't tell you, if your child cannot tell you, "These are my breasts." These are my nipples. This is my vagina. This is my penis. This is my 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 anus. Mm. If they can't use that terminology, your child's not safe mm. because they don't have the words mm. to tell you when someone does something to them. Mm. They don't have the words. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like a that's a a real practical step yeah. to ensuring that <coughs> if God forbid something ever does happen to our babies, that they will be able to say, "Mummy, Daddy." Yeah. Mm. And so it's really yeah. about like peeling that layer back, strong families, ensuring that moms and dads are playing their roles, yeah, connecting with their kids, ensuring that they can speak, they're able to open up about things. Yeah. Mm. And once you've kind of got that locked and fulfilling your role as a parent, yeah. it can get better from there. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it can. <laughs> I'm not saying it will. Yeah. Like, it can. You know, just teaching your kids vocabulary is the first step to empowering them. Mm. And then also respecting your child's autonomy. Mm. Don't tell your four-year-old to go and kiss uncle hello. Mm. Are you with your four-year-old every time she sees uncle? Do you know exactly how your four-year-old feels? Have you asked her, do you like uncle or do you think he's a dick? Mm. You know? So, like, like if I if someone walked into the room right now and said, you, go and kiss him now. Yeah. You'd be like, that's yeah. Mm. Why would you think that's okay to tell me to do that? Shucks. That's a kiss. Yeah. You know? So why the hell are we telling our babies to yeah, go and kiss just, uncle? Yeah. I was so used to it. I have, sorry, just before it leaves my mind, I, I had a discussion with Hannah at some stage, I think it was earlier, uh, 
last week um, with Hannah and Ryan about the trust. Our families, um, we trust each other from the moment we uh, arrive. Our mm. family are yeah. gathered around and that's our safe place. Yeah. So I think at such a young age, we're taught yeah. trust. This is mum, this is dad, this is your uncle, this is her trust them and, and we've formed that relationship that bond with our family so it's just automatic that we're just like because I do it I'm guilty of it I'm like uh, hello go kiss your uncle and say hello yeah you know and without even thinking that you know this could yeah potentially cause you know and and we're constantly forcing it. yeah and because even if uncle's not a <sighs> Even if uncle's not a pedophile, mm. even if uncle's not a sexual predator or rapist or anything like that, what is that teaching your four-year-old mm. that's teaching her, I'm not in charge of my body, I just, when the adults tell me to kiss, I kiss. Yeah. You know, it creates that pattern in the brain mm. that yeah. is something you do when an adult tells you to do. Yeah. You know, not something I only do when I want to. Yeah. Mm. And that's, you know, autonomy. You've got to teach your kids. If you don't, if you don't want to do that, you don't have to do that. Mm. You know, like why don't you want to do that? Have you ever asked a kid why not? Mm. You know, like really just validating their humanity. Really, yeah. if Man. you wouldn't tell your older cousin stand up and go and kiss him right now, then don't tell that to your child, your, your little children, because mm. yeah. you know what makes your child less of a human than your cousin. Mm. <laughs> It's so simple, eh? Mm. But yeah. no one taught us this. Yeah. No one taught us this. And it's and I would love to just also note that I'm not saying that this is Pacifica culture. I'm saying that these are our family dynamics now that we have been removed from the context Amazing. of yeah. our culture and mm. we've been forced to kind of just adapt yeah. to this Pakeha society. Yeah. And I'm not blaming it all on colonization, but I'm yeah. blaming it all on colonization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that is deep. I'm just it really like I'm just like kind of like sitting here thinking about certain situations and how we've formed that trust. And even before, like I, I'm like sitting here going, shucks, I've created that bond with my children and whoever. And I'm not saying that it's wrong, but I'm just saying it is definitely something that had you not come on the show to openly speak about it. These are the small things that we do every single day yeah. um, without fail. Just not even thinking about it because that's just how it is. It's like, oh, yeah, it's all right, but not thinking about. So I really, you know, I'm really <laughs> grateful that you have shared that because it's something as a mom, I'm like thinking, oh, no, I've prevented all of this because, yeah. you know, um, we do try to separate the drinking and the partying, um, you know, with the, the family. I'm like, hey, look, that's enough, you know, get inside, you know, because yeah. that's also because because we've trusted each other, yeah. the parties, mm. the drinking, it's okay. Oh, yeah, that's all right. The kids are running around. Mm. They're all good. Mm. But are they? Yeah. yeah. No, we're not. And then then you also got to ask yourself, if auntie, if if every time auntie has too many glasses of wine, she tries to kiss the, the nephews, mm. don't you think she'd be doing that when she's sober as well? Mm. Yeah. Like I, I'm, yeah. ju I'm just, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe I, I can only speak for myself. But I, what I can tell you is that I've done a whole lot of drinking in my life, and not once have I ever been drunk and thought, "Oh my gosh, this alcohol totally makes me want to rape someone right now." Like you know, it just doesn't happen. And so, like, <laughs> the drinking culture is bad. Period. Mm. 
Yeah. Not only for the kids, for the adults as well. Mm. It's rotting our brains, bro. Yeah. It's yeah. terrible. But, you know, putting that aside, you can't just separate the drinking culture from the family culture and expect them not to molest the kids when they're mm. sober. Because if he's doing that when he's drunk... It probably intensifies it. everything else. Mm. What's that saying? A, um, a drunken mind speaks the sober heart's truths. Mm. Yeah. It's not a saying. I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got the last <laughs> Nah, I, I, I wanted to dive deep into that because, um, you know, I don't really think about it much, but I'm a firm believer that um, when someone acts out when they're drunk, it's like... Yeah. A part of them that's sober and the yeah. alcohol just kind of like intensified it. Just removes your inhibitions. That's yeah. literally all alcohol does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, yeah. this is like really, really deep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to know. I'm just thinking here like and, and it's just because, you know, and I'm not just saying as a mum. I, I think it's, you know, definitely I've, I've changed, you know, since I've had children. You know, and I remember my first fight has always been to protect my children and that was the first thing, you know, that comes. I just... It's natural for a mom to protect her kids, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, what are what are some, like, do's and don'ts, um, you know, to f- how to support victims? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, supporting a victim is different from supporting a survivor because mm-hmm. a survivor knows she survived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A victim is still reeling in the mm-hmm. trauma. Um, but a, a, a massive don't, <laughs> I guess, would be like, you know, touching on what we talked about earlier about like if you're not ready for battle, yeah, sit down, <laughs> you mm, know, yeah. if you're not ready, like if honestly, if you're not really ready, like just please don't waste, don't waste that survivor's time, don't waste her love, don't waste her energy, don't waste her hope, her hope. faith, mm. yeah, <laughs> her faith that, oh mm. my gosh, someone finally cares, <laughs> you know, so yeah. there's that. And then also... Just um, for supporting survivors, yeah, just, I don't know, really. Like, because mm. I'm trying to think of what has helped me yeah. in terms of, like, you know, people supporting me. And it hasn't been asking me, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you mm. okay? Like, what yeah. can I do for you? What yeah. can I do for you? Changed behavior. Like, if, like for example, I've got a cousin and she supported me from day one, before day one, because she knew what had happened. She wanted me to report. This cousin, yeah, she asked me if I'm okay, but the thing, what she did that helped me the most, that supported me the most, was removing her children from the family. Because it showed me, it showed me, I'm doing this for a reason. Yeah. I'm doing this so that all of these kids can be removed from this family. Right. You know, like when she did that, mm. when she, you know, made it clear to the to everyone, like, I'm not having my babies around, none of you no more, mm. ever. It really like solidified in my mind that, oh my gosh, I can trust in this process. Mm. Oh my gosh, I can get results. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like just like do something. Mm. Do something. Be about it. Yeah. <laughs> be about it. Don't just like I don't want to uh, like don't don't tag me on no, nothing on Facebook. Mm. Don't don't tweet me like don't like do posts like saying you support me. <laughs> I'm just gonna do it. No, but you get what I mean, though. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. get what I mean. <laughs> like with the, the the time for the superficial stuff, the time for the hashtag Me Too. It's over. Now we need to fight. Yeah. Mm. 
And fighting means like exactly what I'm saying. Fight your family. Mm -hmm. Mm. When they're telling you, no, 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 just tell her, like, you know, make this go away. Like, Mm. don't encourage her to da-da-da. Tell whoever sold that to you to shut the hell up. Mm. (laughs) And it's, can you imagine saying that to one of your aunties or one of your uncles? Mm. Oh, my gosh, trust me. It is not fun. (laughs) It's not fun. I I couldn't even, I could, I actually could imagine it and it, yeah, it's not fun. Yeah. But um, what I've really enjoyed is that you've made me think. Like, instead of coming on, you know, we get guests on the show all the time. They're like, this is what you should do. This is what you should do. You've kind mm. of put a thought yeah. and you've mm-hmm. planted seeds. You need to know not to know. Mm. Yeah. That's it. That's the only solution. Mm. You need to get used to being uncomfortable. You need to get used to not having all the answers. Mm. You need to get used to saying things like, I don't know. Oops, sorry, I don't know if I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you need to get used to not knowing. Yeah. You need to get used to saying things like, I don't know, but let's find an answer. Let's figure out what yeah. works. Mm. You need to get used to being uncomfortable. You need to get used yeah. to being wrong. Mm. You yeah. need to get used to kids yelling at you. Mm. Mm. Like, that's that's a big one for us. It as is. A big one for me. Yeah, like, <laughs> as soon, like our kids can't even go... <laughs> well, that's a backhand. That's a backhand right hard, there. Hard, like, hard. how dare you suck your teeth at me? Yeah. yeah, you know. But like, I'm, I'm, I'm serious, bro. Like, if you want results, if you want to break generational curses, if you want to move your family out of the toxic cycles that it's been stuck in for generations, you need to start listening to the babies. Mm. If they don't, if the babies don't want to go auntie and uncle's house, there's probably a reason. Mm. <laughs> Even if they're saying it's because there's no internet, it's probably a deeper yeah. reason. Like, you need to really start. Actively listening to kids, listening with intent, listening to understand, not listening to reply. Mm-hmm. And you need to let kids have experience their emotions. Let them be angry. If you do something to irritate your kid, your kid should be able to express that irritation. Mm-hmm. And every day that you do that, every day that you validate your child's emotions, their reasoning, their rationale for their emotions, what you're doing is solidifying in their mind that no matter how they feel, no matter what happens to them, no matter what they go through, mummy's going to listen. Mummy's on your side. Mm. It could all be so simple, right? Mm. Yeah. But it's not that simple. It's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Especially uh, when you have kids, you've got to be teaching them that although you have their side and you'll back them up, you know, the back and forth, Mm. um, I guess advice, learning how to go against them, but in a nice way and teaching them how to perceive it as well. But that's really good advice. I feel like I'm in therapy session right now. (laughs) Hey, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, but that's a, that's a very valid, what you're saying is like learning, relearning a a new love language, learn a new love language with your kids. Mm. I really like that soft parenting stuff that the Balangis do on TikTok. What are they doing? Like they just talk to their Mm. kids like normal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like if the kid makes a mistake, be like, oh, you made a mistake. Well, why do you think that happened? Mm. You know, like just talking to kids Mm. like they're humans. (laughs) Not like they're little like burdens, (laughs) you know? Like it just sounds so crazy that it can be that easy to protect yeah. your child from being raped and molested. Mm. And I mean, like, hey, I'm not saying if your kid knows how to say vagina, no one's ever going to mm. molest them. I'm not saying that. I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying that all these little steps mm. are going to make it so yeah. pedophiles will know not to touch your kid. Because mm. you know they're very, they... They're, They've planned it out, eh? Pedophile yeah. walks in a room with 100 kids. He can pick out each one of the ones that won't tell. 
Yeah. He can pick I've out. I read that in he article. Can pick out, that was so creepy. Yeah, that's right. He can pick out the ones that will tell. He can pick out the ones that are going to fight him or her. Sorry, I always get into this habit of yeah, making yeah, out yeah. that it's only men. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. You there need was a boy, there was kids. a teacher who was mm. a pedophile mm. and he examined each kid's family. Yeah. So the kids who didn't have a dad or a mum, he would target them. Yeah, the ones of the step parents, yeah. the poor ones, the ones that are quiet and you mm. know. Yeah. It, so much more research needs to be done in this space. Mm. And not, and I'm not talking about Balangis over in America, and Australia, yeah. the UK. We need Pacifica academics, mm-hmm. period. And also, we need Pacifica academics doing the work. Yeah. Just for our kids. I don't care about what, like the white kids. I don't care about yeah. all the. I mm. need Pacifica kids to be at the front of someone's mind. And that's it. Like that's all we 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 really just need these more of these conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The work you guys are doing is very important. Yeah, for sure. I know it's gonna I know it's gonna embolden a lot of survivors. Yeah. Mm. And I think this conversation is like you're probably like, are these guys okay? Because we're just sitting here like stuff. <laughs> I, I, I promise we planned the show. It's just like during mental health, we're still um, adjusting to having those conversations. Yeah. So it's telling of like us, but yeah. it's also telling um, about like a lot of people. Exactly. They're uncomfortable. They don't know what to do. And they'll probably watch this and they're like, look, their reaction is oh, normal. Mm, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think that's what I mean. You just have to get used to being uncomfortable all the time. If yeah. you want to operate in this space, if you want to help people in this mm. space, you just have to get used to feeling like you know absolutely nothing and you're a moron. <laughs> like, honestly. Because yeah. yeah. just the things that you learn when you know you don't know. Mm. Like, didn't you get what yeah, I, I know? I, you, I know yeah. you're feeling that. Yeah. Like, you just have to get used to people telling you things you didn't know. Learning mm. of people yeah. who you think are just insane. Because, mm. to be honest, most of us survivors are insane. Yeah. <laughs> we just are. <laughs> yeah. It goes hand in hand. The trauma, the trauma changes your brain. You're crazy mm. now. Yeah. And it requires a lot of humility as well. Like, oh, yeah. not knowing anything. People always think, are you, like, dumb? It's like, no. It's the best way to learn is, like, yeah. you just present yourself as you are. Yeah. yeah. But, no, that's... That's how that's how yeah. older that our older generation, the Pacific community, that's their problem is they don't like to look like they don't know. Mm. Yeah, a lot of ego. Yeah, I mean we got egos too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, listen, yeah. it takes one scroll on my Instagram to see how much <laughs> ego I got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, I think I think we're just a lot more willing mm. to not know. You got to mm. know to not know. Mm. That's the only way to help survivors. Let the survivor lead her recovery, his recovery. Yeah. Let them tell you how to support them. Don't just show up at their house. I'm here to clean your house because you're going through depression and you haven't cleaned your house in two weeks. Yeah. Like, you know, like that's amazing to do that for mm. someone. I would do you. that for someone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know you. I know yeah. you love cleaning. <laughs> Every time she goes to my house, like putting stuff away. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, yeah. I'm sure you get what I mean. Like, let the survivor lead. Mm. Yeah. Like if she seem if he seems like the type of person that doesn't like to be asked if they're okay every five minutes, maybe don't ask if they're okay every five minutes. Yeah, mm. you know, like just being aware that you don't know what's the best thing to do. That's how you yeah. help them. It's, yeah, yeah. No, and I think that's a beautiful way to wrap this up. If you're like me and these conversations are uncomfortable, this reaction mm. is totally okay. It is. Um, and honestly, I feel like we'll improve. 
definitely not the last time you're coming on. I felt yeah. like this is a therapy session. Um, our discussions will improve. Even our mental health discussions um, on our previous episode with Anasha and Iso. It was like, we were like quiet, eh? Yeah, we kind of just wanted to hear. That's a good and thing. And then it's mm. like the mental health organizations harping us, like harping on about this is what you should do. This is how you should act. Oh my gosh. But like with you, don't, it's sorry. about... Sorry, yeah. don't for, I can't forget to tell people this. If you are interested in helping survivors that are Pacifica, um, Google the Fonofale model of health. Google Tefare Tapafa. That's if you're looking to help brown people who are struggling with mental illness, who are survivors. Those models will help you give them what they need. Mm. <laughs> Check that. We'll also Sorry, no, no, you're all yeah. good. We'll also link that as well um, onto the podcast. But this has honestly felt like usually I'm in a state of sorry for the other person, mm. but you've actually made this joyful. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely I mean, not a victim. Yeah. I am a survivor. And yeah. that's, that's probably why. Like, yeah. I've been able to laugh, but thank you so much, Tanya, for sharing your story. Um, you. We would love to have you on the show, um, you know, regularly, because <laughs> I feel like you have so much value to add. Yeah. Um, on how, yeah. <laughs> nah, for sure. Yeah, on how people can properly engage and how they can listen. And also, like, what you're saying about um, how to effectively help someone someone is surviving mm. is by letting them lead the way to yeah. their healing um, and believing them, validating their, their beliefs and things mm. like that. But thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate it. We appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. Um, would you like in, to say any last words? I'd just like to thank you all for the work that you're doing. Um, I hope you know that when survivors see this kind of stuff, it really does make a difference to yeah. our day. It really does make us feel seen and it really does make us feel like someone's got our back. Yeah. So thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you.